Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert photos, and the latest going-ons, and the nostalgic going-ons in the rock and metal world. With me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening? Doing good, man. I'm feeling nostalgic. It's like one minute I'm snapping my fingers, and the next minute I'm in a neck brace. <laughs> uh, well, with that intro, and if you haven't looked at your fucking screen, you'll see that this episode's guest is Tommy Victor of the legendary Prong. Uh, you might also know him from his time in Danzig as a, his guitar player, uh, but more importantly... Tommy Victor, a fucking prong. Uh, their latest EP, Age of Defiance, uh, is probably out now as of when you're listening to it. It is not out as of when we're recording this. Solid EP. Uh, the live tracks are fucking great. Uh, the, the two new songs are... I mean, Age of Defiance is... I mean, Jesus, it's it's a fucking groove, brutal song. Like, I turned it on, I was like, yeah, I'm going to need to go back and listen to a lot more Prong. Prong is just one of those bands, actually, and I'm sure with discography discussion, you'll probably fall into this trapping all the time where you're like, yo, I knew I liked this record and I knew I liked this band, but then I just forgot how much I like everything this band does. Oh, yeah, dude. Like I When I heard the EP, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is like really energetic. Yeah. Like more so than I was expecting. And because you look at a band like Prong who's been around for like, I don't know, a thousand years. And uh, the whole time I've been alive, prong's always been a thing. But I mean, we're like what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like like twelve albums. Yeah, and they're still putting out an EP that has like fresh, energetic material on it. I just I I don't see that. And 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 I'm listening to the songs, and I'm like, this is the prong that I that I always loved. Yeah, it uh it was a bit intimidating uh, talking to Tommy. I mean. As podcast connoisseurs listening to a lot of uh, podcasts in this this genre uh, that we're in, you know, I guess it's technically, according to the charts, it's like music commentary or, or whatever. Um, I'm really used to hearing Tommy Victor on Josta's show, and it's been kind of surreal sometimes getting some of these guests that I, I'm so identified with being on Josta's show and being friends of Josta's and, you know, even collaborators in the case of, you know, with Tommy Victor, that it's one of those things where... I was intimidated to talk to him, not only because of the legacy he has of being the frontman and guitar player of such a legendary band, because I have no rapport with him. And it's just kind of intimidating to to try to talk to someone in 20 minutes that's been around that long and has such a a you know such a thumbprint on on the fucking scene like they're kind of like coc in a sense of like they've transcended so many genres between hardcore metal kind of sludgy doom i mean just every and anything really in the in the genre of quote-unquote metal or hard rock and to to try to figure out what i'm going to spend my 20 minutes talking about it's kind of tough it's kind of scary. You had to spend a little bit of it justifying, you know, like, hey, we're not going to make you talk about beer because it seemed like he was kind of worried about that uh, starting off. Yeah, I definitely was getting built up and, and let this be a lesson to uh, never let your ego get in your own way because I thought, you know, in, in doing this podcast and as it's kind of grown over the last, you know, year or so, it's been one of those things where sometimes, you know, publicists or the people coming on will tell you like, oh, I've been hearing, I've heard this podcast or I've heard of it and I heard it's a show like this kind of on the up and up and it's always flattering. And, and you know very much you know as if you can't tell we're kind of self-deprecating at times but it's one of those things like I never really know if I believe it so when Tommy was like oh you know kind of joking like oh I was kind of nervous you know you know to come on this show for this interview and I thought it was to be like you know how John from Circleback was where he was like oh like I mean I looked at your podcast and like look at who you've had on recently like and you know some people throw the you know self-deprecating back to us but it's like dude you're fucking Tommy Victor but 
beyond that, so I got real pumped for him to like build me up and be like, oh, you know, the great podcast and, you know, heard so much about it to then be like, hey, I don't drink and you guys are a beer, beer based podcast. And I was like, oh, fuck. So like I was like built, building myself up for a nice compliment only to kind of be like get my legs taken out from underneath me. And then at that point, it kind of lit a fire under me to be like, no, like, no, we're more than that. Like, yeah. I feel like it's almost like being like the hot girl where you're like, no, no, no. no. I, I mean, yeah, I know I'm smoking hot, but like I, I'm also smart and I have a lot to offer. <laughs> I got all this and brains, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at that point, I definitely kind of, you know, re- uh, definitely kind of regrouped really quickly and decided at that point I really needed to uh, bring my A game to Tommy and to, uh, and I think I did a good job with that. I think I definitely turned it around. You know, I think it would have been e- really easy for a lot of people to, uh, to maybe feel the pressure at that point of being like, oh, fuck, like I'm kind of behind the eight ball now and, and just kind of let that bother and, and, and kind of steer the podcast as you're kind of going. But like I said, I think, you know, how now having done this for three years and kind of, you know, n- knowing that what we do is more than that, it was like, yo, I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to prove like why we're, you know, I think what we are and that we are a good podcast and we do bring great questions that are kind of off the beaten path to these people. And, I kind of like the fact that everything I was kind of throwing at Tommy, he was like, you know, I, this, I mean, yeah, like these are things I'm still trying to figure out. And I think that's something that's been really interesting about our show and about a lot of these podcasts, honestly, is the fact that, you know, you guys do it with discography discussion where sometimes, you know, with some of these bands that you guys call like a sure thing, a slam dunk, that you're like, yeah, but like this record's good, but it's not as good as this other one, which is, is great. But, I mean, this this first thing or, the, the you know, the whole discography isn't bad by any stretch. It's better than most people's best. Yeah. But I wanted more. And so, like, we're at this weird point with, with media and consumption where I think it's just interesting where we're at, able to talk to artists, you know, especially someone like Tommy who's been in the industry for so long and had such a long storied career. And it's like we're all kind of trying to figure out exactly what we're looking for what we're looking for as fans what what we want from the artists what the artists are looking for from labels and and from everybody else and i think it's kind of fun to kind of be a part of maybe the solution and i i don't know if there if there is a problem per se but i think it's kind of fun to be a part of the the dialogue in all of this yeah definitely it it is a lot of fun although i do get i do get intimidated from time to time like then I'm going to just show up and ask a bunch of questions and not really know what I'm talking about. You know, I worry about that so much because like a lot of like what, what I do on my other podcast is it's a lot of guesswork and it's a lot of, uh, you know, like I listen to the records and like, if there's weird decisions made about the band, uh, you know, throughout their career, I try to figure out, you know, well, why, why did this happen? And, uh, it's all guesswork and I probably could dig a lot deeper than I dig, but I think, part of the charm of the show is just seeing if I got it right or not, you know? And, um, and, but like with these interviews, it's, it's equally as intimidating because I'm talking to the person right away. And if I don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to get called out for it right there, you know? And that, that's really terrifying when you're talking to a musician that's as, as prolific as Tommy is, you know, like this dude's like, got more industry experience that I'm ever going to have. Even if I, even if I had a chart topping metal record tomorrow and I, I went on an illustrious career of 12 albums, I would still never have the amount of industry know-how that he does. So yeah, I, I would have been terrified to do this interview. I'm not going to lie. I think the thing that's interesting sometimes in doing these and, and sort of what is fun to kind of work through, but also is intimidating is and same with like when we had Michael Wilton on same when you have red beach, someone that came from, 
the 80s to the 90s to the 2000s and now you know we're getting ready to to go into a new decade and you know 2020 is right around the corner and it's like just think of how much has changed i mean we're going from you know tapes to cds from cds to still cds but then you're starting to get mp3s then you're starting to vinyl and then vinyl goes away vinyl comes back now you're doing you know streaming like think about all the different ways tommy has had to adapt over his whole career yeah to to be malleable in the the rock and metal genre which has gone up and down you know in that time frame yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he had to kind of survive through all the trends without succumbing to them. And, yeah. and I thought that was what was so interesting about this newer material was that really it has all the energy that it ever did. And it's not necessarily concerned with what's sounding like everybody is sounding now. It's just it wants to sound like prong and it, it does. And uh, I think without further ado, let's uh, let's get into my conversation with Tommy Victor of prong. And uh, we will talk to you guys afterwards. <laughs> The pleasure this uh, early evening, afternoon for me, I guess not even evening, it's uh, morning for you. My concept of time is all fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Getting to talk to Tommy Victor, vocalist and guitarist of the legendary Prong, whose latest EP, Age of Defiance, is out November 29th via SPV uh, Steam Hammer Records. How are you doing this morning? I'm pretty good. I'm all right. I got up uh, pretty early. I'm all excited to talk to you. That's why I probably couldn't sleep too well. (laughs) Uh, you know, it's always funny getting to do these with some people because uh, some people will be like, oh, it's really kind of nerve wracking to do this as well, just for the sake of like, you know, podcast is long form. You never know where things are going to go. Like, will I put my foot in my mouth? You know, like people are really, I tend to find actually kind of nervous to do these things. So it's interesting. Someone that has had a 10 year career like yourself is, you know, kind of, uh, you know, still excited to do interviews and kind of gets a little bit nervous about doing them. You know, the thing is, since I was looking up your podcast online and, uh, the theme of it is beer drinking, and that's something I don't do. Uh, actually, so. it's that's kind of we knew we were going to get a little bit of feedback from that, uh, but typically it's just between my co-host and I. But the thing is also that we focus, you know, like our sponsor is a coffee maker, so it the brew kind of also can go to like tea because you know craft teas now are kind of a thing, and craft uh, coffees are a thing. So it's it's really just kind of about you know I liked you know I do enjoy a craft cocktail, a craft beer, and so forth, but I I do like a good coffee, a good tea and i also like a good pun so i thought brutally speaking you know people coming on and being it works yeah so i mean it's it's so far not really bit us in the ass as far as the name change but uh i you know i I tend to think that if people actually were to go and and look at the interviews we have and and listen to it i think it kind of shows that it's not just kind of a one-trick pony which i think you know kind of segueing perfectly into the ep this ep was kind of a bit a bit unexpected uh to me and i think you know, I was expecting maybe another full length at this point, and something that we have talked about ad nauseum, really, on this podcast is kind of the EP versus full length culture that it seems like we're kind of in the midst of, you know, being more single and EP based. So what was exactly the 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 choice to go with an EP as opposed to pulling out a full length at this point? What you just said sort of reminded me of what I spoke with somebody earlier this week about. He was adamantly objected he was objecting to the ep format and uh i had to stand up for it because it's 
I was listening to our Zero Days record, mm-hmm. and we put a lot of time into, which is the last full-length album. We put so much time into every song and just try to craft them. That's and now I'm on the word craft, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, and I, like I thought a lot of the songs got ignored, could have been singles, uh, etc. So uh, that didn't take away from the fact that I wanted to do a full-length record, but when the label posed the idea of an EP. I was like, okay, I could concentrate on a couple of songs and uh, this would be less tiresome. And, you know, the record didn't do that well. It was, it's, you know, no hard feelings. It's like, it's just two songs that I threw in the garbage can, not like 12 or 13 or whatever. (laughs) So, you know what I mean? It's it's like, it's, it's an easier thing for us. But on the other hand, I mean, we really dialed in these two songs. I think that we concentrated on nailing these uh, with enough time and that was uh that that was enjoyable it was the first time i really did this since a really long time so uh, uh i'm i'm really happy for the artist standpoint it's easier maybe for the, or a real strict a real hardcore prong fan they want a full length album but again i mean i was i was prepared to do that but we got the best of the the bunch with asia defiance i had a whole bunch of songs demoed and uh, Age of Defiance came out as the strongest one, so I don't know what we're going to do with the rest of the songs, but uh, you know, this is the these are the two newest Spawn songs, and you know, people uh, if they hear it, I think they'll like it. I definitely agree with that. It does make me wonder in the day and age now, where obviously it's no secret that you know touring is is really the money making opportunity for a lot of bands. Uh, you know, unless you're basically at an, an arena or a stadium level. Um, and so it kind of makes me wonder if that that has kind of led to the shift of, you know, maybe helping stay out on the road without there just being like, fuck, man, we have been on this album cycle for two and a half years. We're tired of playing the songs that are the singles and so forth and kind of making it more like we'll put out a couple of songs, kind of throw them into the set, keeps things a little fresh and allows you to kind of pick and choose when you're touring as opposed to the traditional album tour cycle cycle. That's pretty insightful. Yeah, I mean, all of that is true. Uh, I think I, on top of that is the fact that uh, people, I think the hardcore fans will buy the vinyl and, you know, when we, we have a, a single vinyl versus a, an album vinyl, it doesn't really matter because it pretty much goes on their wall or something. I mean, that to <laughs> sound like just all about marketing, but it's, it's, uh, uh, it's got to that point because people don't buy CDs. I mean, it's really difficult uh, to sell them even at shows. So, uh, why put out these records? I mean, it's mainly for Spotify and for streaming. It really is. Uh, and for your hardcore fans. So that, you know, would want the artwork, want the lyric sheets and want uh, what you get in a package, essentially. And, uh, you know, like a limited, a limited release here and there, plus these, will tie you over into, uh, uh, you know, the next dark side of the moon or whatever the hell we do. So, you know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of records we've got four sets of making records really quickly and uh, th- I can do that, but it, that gets, that gets uh, strenuous. So uh, I would like to, if I'm going to do another record, I would like to spend a lot of time on it and just like relax and, and just dial it in and, uh, and be inspired rather than just churning them out for whatever reason. Well, I mean, if act of defiance is something you just turned out, then I'm, Please keep churning out some more songs. Oh, thank like that. you. I'm glad. Yeah, I mean the response has been good. I mean it sounds really good. I mean I listen to it and I'm compelled to listen to it. 
like I just got a new pair of earbuds yesterday and I was like, wow, I'm going to listen to a new Pong record and compare it to the old ones and see what it's like. And, uh, and I still get the kick out of that myself. I mean, you know, I, I play music for other people, but you know, it's good to keep making records and you listen to them later and you know, listen to them now and, you know, see what you're doing, and, uh, that, that you get some kind of, uh, pride out of that i guess yeah you know something in listening i don't think you're able to i don't think anyone is able to listen to a prong song or a prog ep and not just be like hey you know what fuck it i'm gonna throw on some of the older stuff too and i was reminded time and time again over the last week or so of prepping for this and just really realizing how distinctly you the guitar tone is and it's kind of interesting in looking back at the band's legacy and realizing how many countless trends and bands have mm. come and gone in that time and you've stayed, maybe, I don't know if this is a endearing term or not, but unapologetically you. How does it feel to you when kind of looking back and listening back and just being like, man, you know, like, I think a lot of people are in search of their sound and maybe don't find it. And I think you guys have been very fortunate from the get-go that you've had that distinct sound that is prong and is you. It's a weird thing. It's it's unworldly, really. Uh, it, it, just, it hits this, this barrier. Like when I'm making a record and, and uh, when I'm writing riffs, and I'll come up with riffs. I'm like, well, that's not prong. I'm like, well, what the hell does that mean? You know, like, what is, or like, I, you know, it's, it stuff gets thrown out a lot and then things get stylized into what, what the records are and what, uh, you know, what, what we're capable of, or I don't know really what it is. I really can't put my finger on it. But, uh, I think a lot of artists have that feeling too. It's like, you know, where they, you know, if you're a painter, you know, that you get, you use certain materials and then, uh, you know, that's you, you know? So it's like that, you, you, you get, you start creating your own boundaries, but not out of anything consciously. It, it just sort of happens that way. But I appreciate your comments. I mean, I really like that. I mean, like, you know, that, that's interesting because that's what I listened to yesterday. I'm like, you know what? Like, like, uh, I'll hit a guitar, I'll do a guitar thing and then I'll forget about it. I'm like, well, how the hell did I do that? I mean, it was like, a it seems like it was like it wasn't me, you know, like when you're listening back on stuff, but it is you, you know, you did it, <laughs> you wrote it. And but that's you, you, it becomes maybe it isn't yours. Maybe there's another force working through you. And uh, I like to feel that because then it takes some of the responsibility off me. So you know, it's, it's uh, it, you start getting all those feelings about when you listen back to your old records, you're like, well, how did I do that? Like, what was I doing at that time or whatever, you know? Yeah. You know, something I, I kind of had wondered, I know obviously Jasta's got his solo record coming out in a couple of weeks as well, and you, you featured, uh, did a song on that record. And, you know, it kind of had made me wonder, I don't hear a lot about you working with a lot of people, so it kind of made me wonder, when you're doing something like that, what has that kind of done for maybe some of your songwriting, kind of maybe getting outside of the box, working with someone differently, thinking of a, a different vocalist maybe in mind? Or, you know, is that something you would be more interested in pursuing? Yeah, uh, I'm kind of lazy on that front. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my fiance says, well, you should approach this person and do a song with them. I'm like, eh, they're not going to want to work with me, you know, like I sort of have I'm kind of that kind of guy, you know. But, uh, you know, with Josh, it was just like, you know, I want you and, you know, Max did that, Cavalera did that with me, you know, several records back with Soulfly. And uh, I love doing that. I mean, like that, it, I just get so energized. And I think when Josta had me involved in that song, uh, you know, 13 of Fears, it's, it's a killer track. I was like, it energized me a lot. Like I thought, you know, it made me feel like, you know, like I, I was, you know, uh, relevant to something. So, yeah, I mean, you know, those things really, 
they definitely helped me a lot, you know, uh, and uh, I'd love to do more. And, uh, you know, guys like Josh, I mean, he's just, he's, he's such an amazing dude. Like, you know, he does so much and gets other people involved. And, uh, you know, I'm jealous of that. I, I sort of, uh, you know, get afraid of approaching people. He has, he doesn't have that fear. He can, he'll, he'll call up anybody and ask them. And, you know, people feel like they're, you know, they don't feel obliged. They feel like they want to do it. You know, so it's really cool. Yeah. You know, it's something, and I think Josh has even said this a couple of times, but you know, contrary maybe to some of the people that listen to this podcast probably getting a little bit upset that I maybe am not as quote unquote a diehard metalhead as you know as some of the other people but I do tend to listen to a lot of uh, old school rap and hip hop and stuff like that and pop and something that I've always noticed that they have done you know and I think Josh is a big proponent of doing this in in the rock and metal genres is kind of basically collaborating and kind of growing the fan bases of each other so that way that rock and metal are on a, on a bigger spectrum. And it kind of makes me wonder, do you think that, you know, having someone like Joss to do this and doing songs with so many people from all across the boards is a step in the right direction to kind of keep rock and metal at the forefront and kind of expanding to, to get to a bigger demographic? Or do you think that it's just the industry is too competitive that that's never going to succeed like it does in the rock and or in the pop and rap worlds? I agree with both those statements. I mean, I think it's a great idea to try to do it. But uh, to try to compete with the the pop world, uh, just look at Spotify numbers. Uh, it, it's just unbelievable. Like these, like DJs that you know, I have no idea who they are, and they're getting you know sixty, seventy million plays per song. And you know, like a you know something, somebody like you know, like Prong. I mean, we're lucky. We you know, you get you're lucky if you get you know a hundred thousand on some songs or whatever. Or you know what I mean? Like it's it's just so small. It's so much smaller than the pop world, and uh, I don't know why that is. Uh, I just think that yeah. I mean, like you said, it's a crossover thing. Uh, I, I think what Jasta does is great. I mean, like I I love that. But I mean, to find, to think that you're competing with with any other genre is uh, unrealistic. Do you think it's because sometimes in, in doing these, I like to try to work the work my way through the maybe the answer or come to at least a solution, and I all I can come up with is that it's that maybe with how many few pieces of the pie there are once you have labels management so forth mm-hmm. that, that are taking their their cut and then you, what you're left with that people aren't willing to even share what little bit they're getting to try to help make it be bigger for everyone down the road, thinking of the long term and only thinking about the now. Do you think that that short-sightedness is maybe the the problem that's kind of hitting the the rock side of the industry, perhaps? I, I mean, I'm finding you very insightful. I mean, I, I, you know, it's unusual. I mean, I, kudos to you. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Where uh, it's I, I've noticed for myself that I've had to get a little bit more greedy as I as this business gets more difficult and. Um, I don't do a good job at that because I, I like <laughs> to share and you know what I mean? Like you, even with the producer that I've been working with, I cut him in on the songs. So, uh, because he doesn't write all the stuff, but like, even if he goes, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I think we should, maybe you should try to put a different verse in there. So go home and, you know, work on that. So, you know, I go home and work on my rig and, do that and then so i'm like well dude you're getting writing credits for this you know so you know i'm more like that but you know uh i think a lot of people are are worried about those things i mean publishing etc 
it, it's very difficult, man. It really is. Uh, it, it's trying to get any any little nickel and dime here and there is uh, is is a headache these days. So uh, I think people are going to be scram. People start scrambling a little bit more. You know, kind of shifting up gears a little bit. Something that you know, when listening to the band, you know, I had told a handful of people that I was doing this chat with you. And, you know, I told my dad about it, and he goes, oh, snap your finger, snap your neck. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's there's more than that. And it kind of, you know, kind of put me on a different thinking path there for a little bit where, you know, you have such a wealth of material and plenty of quote-unquote hits to, to the diehard prong fans. But it does make me wonder, is it a blessing to have a song like Snap Your Finger, Snap Your Neck in the set? Or does it kind of become a bit of a curse because the quote-unquote fans only want to hear that one song? I mean, again, it's amazing some of the statements you know, because like it, it, it's a, it, it's true both ways. I mean, uh, we lost a lot of fans from the general metaldom uh, when that song became big because they're like, oh, sell out, or you know, what are they trying to do? Like it's it's like this is not this is not real metal. This is not really hardcore. So. A lot of our, a lot of fans that were into the earlier records when that came out were like, you know, screw these guys, and we've never, we've never gotten those people back, and I don't know why, but uh, there was a huge exodus, and we gained more of the fair weather fans with the hit song, and they don't really show up now neither, so it's a problem, but uh, again, I, I being a, a kid that listened to singles and was into, you know, uh, buying 45s as a kid and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, uh, was a song oriented guy. I'm very proud of that song. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, at least I got one song that, you know, crossed over and that, that people rocked to and on a big level. So, uh, you know, this, it, it had its, it has its, uh, benefits and it has its, uh, faults to it too. So, I mean, uh, I, 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 I like that song. I like playing it every night. People are into it, but again, um, I think that, uh, it, we, we roll the dice and some people aren't into it and uh, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, you know, something that was kind of interesting talking a little bit more about the EP again, uh, since that's actually why you're on the show. Um, you know, your live versions of the songs, I had to make sure and go back when I had the, the promo link that they did say live and that they were live because I was like, this sounds like a studio recording. Like, I was expecting it to be like, you know, hearing crowd noise and, you know, the eyes kind of things or something like that. And I was like, you know, I didn't know if maybe live was more live in the room, like in the studio kind of a recording where it's all like a one take. Or if that was actually live at a show, and if so, then I think people really should listen to it and be excited to go see you guys again because your sound is dialed the fuck in. I'll say that. Well, I think it was, so what happened was it was a whole bunch of we recorded a whole bunch of live shows, and then uh, uh, we had we went in, we did one in, in the studio with a live audience, and in order to make it all sound like together. We did a, another session in the live studio. So in order to sound together, we sort of blacked out all any kind of audience thing. So the, everything was like sort of gated out or, you know, it was limited. So that's the way it sounds like that. And I, the reason why I wanted it to sound like that too is because um, basically because of the song Rude Awakening, 
I can't listen to the album version of that song because I was very, I didn't like the mix on that whole album. And I'm like, when I hear that, the mix on the album, I'm like, I get ill because uh, it's not the way I wanted the song to be at all. And, uh, you know, no one listened to me. So the live version is sort of the way I wanted it to be. So like, it's sort of like, instead of making it this, I didn't want it to be this huge production. So we said, I want to cut this thing without making a re-record of the whole album. So, you know, a lot of the songs are like that on, you know, that that we recorded that again, live was like, uh, you know, I felt that the live versions inevitably were better than, you know, the studio versions. Absolutely. You know, uh, I know you got an interview right behind me. So uh, what is the rest of, you know, I'll just fucking not even say this year. What does 2020 have in store for you guys? Well, first of all, we're going out with Unearth uh, in Europe. That's that's going to be in Dust Bolt. That's happening in February. So, uh, pretty excited about that. That just got announced today. Uh, I got some Danzig gigs. I play guitar with Danzig still, so I got some Danzig stuff going on. Okay. So we're trying to fit in like South America with Prong and then uh, Asia. So I don't know how much America we're going to do because we just did a whole bunch. We did you know, a hate breed obituary tour. And then we just got off the tour with agnostic front. So, um, you know, that we've done America a lot. I don't know if we missed any people. It's hard to people even know when shows are these days. It's yeah. just gotten so weird. You know, like I get it all the time. It's like, we just played Tucson. And then I get an email. I go, when are you guys playing at Tucson? I mean, it happens all the time. It's amazing. Uh, you know, I think it has a lot to do with some of the age group of our, our fans. Is how do you reach these people? I mean, but anyhow, um, you know, uh, we, we're going to be have a busy year. Uh, I'm going to have a busy year regardless. So, um, yeah, I mean, just, we, we may try to do American tour. I'm just, I, it's gotta be something good. Like if the Foo Fighters asked us out, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. It's like I don't, I don't, you know, I want to do something that's, that's, I, I hate going out and doing tours that, that are, uh, just like, ugh, you know, like we want to do something that's, that's strong. Absolutely. So, and then, uh, lastly, where can everyone find you online? Well, right now, I mean, our, our, it's right now it's prongmusic.co. We have to switch over because uh, our, our, it, got, it got hijacked uh, by, I've had, I have a dispute with my manager, ex-manager, and this scumbag uh, hijacked my, my domain, which is prongmusic.com. So it's prong, prongmusic.co. We're trying to get that up right now. And then... Uh, prong music at facebook and then instagram prong the band and uh prong uh music tommy victor on uh twitter so that's that's it well thank you very much for taking the time and uh hopefully see John, you thank you man around these uh parts in the midwest somewhere next year great questions very insightful uh you, you're doing an amazing job thank you thank you very much all right buddy so that was my conversation with tommy victor a prong um like I said, I definitely kind of put my big boy pants on and, and decided to bring my A game uh, once I, I realized that uh, <laughs> he wasn't a fan necessarily of us uh, just by checking us out and seeing, like Dan said, that you know everything kind of is splattered with saying like, oh, we're we're a beer and metal drinking podcast, you know, and so forth. And you know that's kind of the unfortunate thing sometimes when you have to come up with a quick bio of like, what is your show in like. Something that can be read on a, a tiny little screen. And, you know, when we were coming up with a new name, you know, I know I did, like, 
I mean, I think I think I kind of like Dan kind of had wanted to steer the ship in this direction. And then I was like, you know, I like stupid punny things. So it was one of those things like I think I came up with the name. But I know like between Dan and I was like, do you think this is ever going to bite us in the ass? Like, do you think people are going to see that and then start going like, well, I don't drink, so I don't want to be on the show. And, you know, Dan, I'll give him all the credit in the world. He was very self-assured that the quality of what we do over here is going to stand on its own and that the other thing is just kind of that it's the other thing to the show um but you know no one's really coming for to hear us i mean and that's fine we're just basically the buffer on either end of the thing that people came to listen to but this is something that does happen on occasion where someone will come on like you know there have been some publicists who are like do you need someone who drinks beer because if you do we'll give you someone else in the band and it's like it's kind of interesting to kind of see how people treat us and 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 just assume that we're kind of this one thing. Yeah, and I mean, out of the amount of people that we've contacted over over the time since we changed the name, you know, which is about a year now, we've only had like what one person come back and say anything. Two. Oh, okay. And uh, so, like, that's really, I mean, <laughs> that's out of hundreds of people. Yeah. So, like, who cares? It's literally one of those, well, I guess you're just never going to be on an episode of Brutally Speaking. Sorry. Well, I think the other thing, too, and and something that was kind of interesting parallel thinking about it after the fact was, you know, that's kind of how I feel like Tommy has kind of been throughout his career is, you know, there might have been people who were like, oh, well, you know, you guys are prong. You're a a hardcore bander. You're a a metal bander. You're a you're you're this. You're this thing. And Tommy has never really been just one thing. He's been a lot of things, but he's. Whatever he does and whatever prong is, it's undeniably prong. It's undeniably him. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I said, as I've kind of sat on this episode, you know, now that, you know, we've had it for a couple of weeks, you know, and I went back and listened to it, it it just kind of, it's interesting kind of thinking and seeing the parallels between prong's career and kind of what we did in the rebrand and so forth. I mean, like, yeah, you know, like we are those things, but we're also these things too. We can be multifaceted. And, it's kind of funny because, you know, we talked about the success of snap your finger, snap your neck. And I was like, is it a gift or is it a curse or both? Because like like I said, my dad was like, oh, prong, snap your finger, snap your neck. And it's like, yeah, everyone knows that song. But there's more song. Like, I hope Age of Defiance becomes the next big hit for the band because I think, oh, yeah. it's, I think it's genuinely that fucking good. Totally. And, but it is one of those things like it's like it was wild for him to sit there and go like it cost us our old fans. And then the the quote-unquote new ones didn't stick around. So then it's like, well, we're damned if we didn't, damned if we didn't. And now we just are. And it's it's really interesting to think about. Yeah, it's like, what do I do? I guess I'll just do what I want if those are my options, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I just, I mean, like I said, the career Prong has had and the fact that they've just been so uncompromisingly them is, honestly, it's an inspiration. I mean, you see... (laughs) I mean, sometimes, like, I joke about this band um, as far as the career they have, but I'm like, they're still fucking here. Actually, two bands. Uh, But one is Crazy Town. Like, everyone shits on that band. They're basically known for a song, and it's a Chili Peppers, like, (laughs) sample. Um, But it's a a thing where it's like, they still exist. They're still around. They're someone's favorite band. And you know what? Fuck it. Like, they could have packed it up. But they they still are around, or like Head PE. A lot of people, you know, you see the like the Lamb Goat comments of like, "This is still a band," and it's like they're still a band. They've still been doing it. They're getting ready to go on twenty years of like their first big record, and yeah. it's like there's something to be said. I think we need to stop putting down bands that are still around ten, fifteen, twenty years 
you know, after their quote unquote heyday and actually start embracing the fact that these bands are still around because at what point do we start honoring a legacy? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Um, Finn McKinney just did a video about that, about like, yeah, about like how, how these band, how bands will have like a life cycle. And he used, uh, I don't remember exactly which bands he used. He used like Slipknot, uh, the Devil Wears Prada and like Limp Biscuit is an example how those were all bands that started off like whatever they were really underground everybody you know all the all the all the unpleasable metal fans loved them because they weren't mainstream and then when they got mainstream everybody hated them for a period of years but then like if they can survive the period of years that they're hated then the fact that they've just been around so long means that everybody starts liking them universally and I think the best example there was Slipknot and uh, Limp Biscuit was a really good example too, where they were like, you know, everybody claimed to hate Limp Biscuit, and now, you know, in 2019, people pretty much only have positive things to say. Right. So, you know, like those bands still exist. And now a band like Prong's a little bit different in the sense that, like, they never really, I don't ever remember there being a lot of hate uh, on Prong or, or them being, you know, they, they've all they played the big shows, they've they've had the they've had the massive career. But they've never had. I don't. I don't feel like they. They've really had to endure the the hate that a lot of these newer trendier bands have. The thing that I was thinking about about that actually, though, because I, like I said, I was so surprised to hear him, you know, say like that. That was kind of what he had to endure, or what the band had to endure, because, like you said, I, I don't remember a time where like anybody you talk to when you mention Prong, it's always like, man, yeah, that band's great. Like they yeah. seem to be held in such high regard by a lot of people in the, in the genre and it's weird and the only thing i can kind of put my finger on as to why maybe it's so surprising to us is because that happened when there wasn't the internet so like not everyone literally had a voice to go to twitter and be like yo prong you fucking sellouts with this snap your finger snap your neck bullshit i'm gonna snap this cd and i'm never supporting you guys again like you didn't see that. You didn't hear it. Yeah. Dude, I, I don't know anybody right now that hates Prong. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't either. I don't know anybody that does, you know. And it's and it's not that it's not that they haven't been heard, especially in my circle of friends, you know. Um we we've always always been pretty big fans, so like I mean I, I believe him when he says that there was hate. Uh and it's possible that I'm just too young to remember it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just it's really weird. Um you know, sometimes <laughs> I think any podcast you ever listen to, especially with those that are, you know, like a Josta or like a lead singer syndrome or any of these podcasts uh, with people still actively in the music industry uh, playing and touring. I, I do think, you know, and actually Doc was talking about it when he mentioned us in, in the episode of the X-Men podcast that he had, uh, where he was kind of talking, you know, about the fact that, you know, he brought up that is the people you see commenting online are they the vocal minority or the vocal majority and it's i don't know it's just kind of interesting to kind of think about how the internet's great in the fact that it allows us to all you know bring people together from far far away and, and build a sense of community but at the same time it fucking tears everyone down because for whatever reason people feel the need to shit on something immediately and just kind of have the the the, the first reaction literally like the comment first and all that kind of stuff and i don't know i mean i think i i know we've talked about this before and just the bigger narrative of of 
everything and and you know that's kind of what i was saying like it's fun to kind of be a part of of figuring this out and kind of i guess being the spark of conversation you know that's that's kind of why i wish more people would comment on our podcast sometimes like some of these things that we're discussing in this it's like obviously we can see that hundreds and hundreds of people are listening to this podcast every week but it's one of those things where I wish people would take some of the ideas maybe that we're expressing within this thing and commenting beyond, you know, just our conversation and keep it going. Because I think it's in that that maybe we find ourselves and find where what, where we're trying to go and what we're looking for. Because that, to me, is the interesting thing about doing this sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's going going out and finding, finding where the narrative is. And uh, sometimes we succeed, sometimes we don't. But, uh, you know, I enjoy the talks that we have, so... Yeah, um, kind of uh, in wrapping up, though, um, tonight I am drinking another one on my Crook and Marker. Uh, I have the Strawberry Lemon one at this point. Uh, I think this is my favorite out of the uh, little sample pack that I have. Although, like I said uh, previously, all of these are fucking solid, so it doesn't matter what one you get. They're all delicious. Um, Dan, what are you drinking? I know you're probably drinking some kind of Elysian. It's winter time, so I don't know if you have the Thanksgiving Day platter version uh, variety pack. No, no, I've got a. Uh, no, I'm just drinking Dayglow. I'm drinking the same beer I was drinking on the Under Earth podcast. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I, I love this Dayglow stuff, man. It's pretty good. I, it might it might actually be my replacement for Space Dust. Well, I mean, I feel like Space Dust would be more more. Uh adequate for a winter drink you know space dust snow well they actually do have the elysian uh bifrost which is um more of just like a winter ale it's still like nine percent or something crazy like that but um it's it's kind of a more bitter uh winter ale but kind of fills the stomach up better um wanted to bring to light uh, i actually drank uh, a couple of beers the other day i grabbed a little mix and match four pack i posted up on the instagram page which we'll get to the uh, plugs on that in here in just a second um so I ended up grabbing a, which I think this is actually becoming my my uh, new favorite brewery here in Michigan, but uh, Saugatuck. Um, you might have remembered me drinking the uh, the blueberry lemonade shandy. Super good, great uh, like summer beer. Um, I feel like I made I feel like I made fun of you about that. Yeah, yeah, you probably did. Uh, but they have a peanut butter porter that is just like I took a sip of it. My wife and I were sitting in bed watching TV, and I cracked open the can and, and started drinking it. And my wife goes, "I wish I could have videoed your face because it just looked." And I go, "Actually, <laughs> while that happened, I was uh, messaging with uh, Mark from Nothing More, who will be coming up on the podcast shortly, and because uh, we just go back and forth with the various beers and drinks we're having." Um, and I sent him a thing, and he goes, it looks scrumptulescent. And I immediately started <laughs> laughing because I remember, obviously, the Will Ferrell uh, <laughs> uh, skit that that was from from SNL. And honestly, it was it's it might be one of my new favorite beers. It is so smooth and creamy and just, oh, it's so good. Um, Saugatuck is just killing it with all their flavors. Like, every... Every beer that they're putting out, whatever the flavor profile, like whatever it says on the can, it is. It is exactly that. Like it's it's shocking how well they are able to make their beers right now. Um, so if you are in the Michigan area or the Midwest area and you're in the distribution area of Saugatuck Brewing, do yourself a favor, pick up whatever beer that they have that sounds even remotely good to you. Uh, and I promise you it probably will be as good or better than you're expecting. Um Next up, I grabbed a, uh, I grabbed two shorts uh, beers, shorts brewing. Uh, I grabbed their Go Juice, which was a milkshake inspired India pale ale with marshmallow fluff, milk sugar, and vanilla, and uh, it was pretty solid. 
Um, was one of those that like I wasn't so overwhelmingly like I I honestly expected with the IPA kind of inspired milkshake inspired IPA. Um, I kind of was honestly expecting it to be more heavy on the like the marshmallow kind of yeah because I, yeah. I, I mean with an IPA you kind of would assume the sweeter flavor kind of would come out. Totally. Um, I got like a little bit of hints of the vanilla and so forth. It was okay. Like I think maybe it was one of those like I kind of wish I would I could have grabbed another bottle to kind of really get an idea of like what I'm tasting because I just kept drinking it going like I yeah there's the IPA it's kind of like a milkshake IPA okay like it just it had a little bit too much going on I think for me to really comprehend what I was like to pull apart all the flavors I was tasting at the time um I'm not a big sour person um this is something that Mark and I go back and forth on Mark's a big sour guy and I'm like dude I just I just I, I haven't had a sour I like you know I live here where like Jolly Pumpkin's a thing and they basically all their you know beers are sours and so forth and I, I'm just not a fan um but this one sounded really good it was a Shorts Brewery's uh Hopricot uh sour Hopricot okay um it was a hopped American sour ale with apricots and I gotta say it might be the only sour beer I've ever had that I liked. Interesting. It, I think because the apricot did a good job of kind of balancing out the bitterness of the, the sour. Uh, so it kind of like went from sour with a little bit of that tarty apricot flavor. So it, it wasn't so like, oh, God. Like, And the weird thing is, is like I feel like I should like sour beers because I love sour candies and shit. So it's like, why don't I like sour beer? Yeah, I like sour beer just for that reason. Because I like sweet, I like sweet tarts and sprees and gobstoppers and all that stuff. Yeah, same. I love all those same things, but I, I pretty much I have just not found a sour beer I like. Um, but this is one that I I, I did like. Um, so shout out to Shorts for making the first sour beer I actually didn't hate. Um, last Very on the nice. list is uh, a new Bell's beer called This One Goes to Eleven Ale. It is a uh, it's an Imperial Red IPA. So it intrigued me because it's like you got an Imperial. Then you got a red, and then you have an IPA. And I feel like those three things, like, it just intrigued me because I was like, what's going to be the dominant flavor? How How is that going to taste? Because those are kind of three different, completely different flavors. And this one was a big miss for me. Um, it just it, it was not good. Um, I, I do, And the sad part is, is I don't know what part of it was the miss. I don't know if it was the red. I don't know if it was the IPA. I don't know if it was the imperial. It just was a lot going on, and I think, sadly, like, we're the, the go juice of shorts with, like, the, the milkshake IPA with the vanilla and the marshmallow and the, you know, the, all that stuff, where that kind of worked to its advantage, this kind of had too much going on fighting for your, your palate that it was just like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't want that. Um, so... Those are some uh, some beers that we posted recently on our social media, and I kind of wanted to give a little bit more of a little background to you, because sometimes we post these drinks, and it's like we don't talk about them on the podcast, so uh, right. wanted to give them their fair shake. But uh, all of the beer drinking aside, um, if you would like to keep up with Prong, well, it's simple enough. Facebook, Prong Music. Instagram, Prong the Band. And Twitter, at Prong Music. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Tommy Victor, uh, pretty much the Twitter is his handle, it looks like, because uh, it says prong music slash Tommy Victor. Um, if you like to follow him on Instagram, it's Tommy Victor 23 If you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, it's simply metalnexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at metal.nexus, and Twitter at metal underscore nexus. And Dan will tell you where he can be found on the Nexus of the Internets. Well, on the Internet Nexus, I can be found on Facebook under my name. 
I can be found on Twitter at DiscussMetalDan, on Gmail at DiscussMetalDan at gmail.com. Very creative name, I know. And uh, you can find my other show, Discography Discussion, at DiscussMetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, it's simple enough. Bruce Speak Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Check us out on YouTube. Uh, we have all of our shows over there where applicable. Uh, if you would like to check out some of the video interviews we've done, those are there as well. Uh, if you would like to support us monetarily, you can do such at patreon.com slash Pod. Holidays are coming. Support us. Give yourself some uh, some cool perks and some sweet gifts and so forth. Uh, if you would like to support us not monetarily, you can do that as well. Rate, review, subscribe. You hear it all the time on every other podcast. Uh, we do the same. Helps us, uh, goes a long way. Helps this podcast to get into iTunes charts, Stitcher charts. We've actually been charting quite a bit over on Stitcher. I think we were in the Australian <laughs> top hundred on iTunes. Um, so I mean, it's just one of those things. Like you know, we're we're trying to grow this podcast, and uh, these things matter uh, in our algorithmic society that we live in and uh if you would like people with our show sponsors the bean bastard you can do that over at the beanbastard.com facebook and instagram are at the bean bastard and we have a new sponsor as well that's right we have a new sponsor if you checked out our socials you've already seen it it is on point palmade maddie mullins of memphis mayfire's own line of hair and beard care products um very excited to bring them on board. If you head over to onpointpalmade.com, use the code BSP15. Let's them know that you are shopping because of us. Get you some uh, awesome hair care products, some stuff for your beard. Be looking good. It is the holiday season. You got to look good. Got to. So, again, head over to onpointpalmade.com. Use the code BSP15 and uh, get hooked up. Uh, we also got some products from the company themselves. Uh, we got some pomades, the premium pomade, the matte pomade, and a beard oil. Uh, we're going to be doing a giveaway here pretty soon. We're just kind of trying to figure out what that looks like. So, very much want to send a huge thank you to Maddie Mullins and On Point Pomade for coming on as a new sponsor of the show. Uh, we also got our pins. We've been talking a lot about them. We have them. If you live in the U.S., uh, $15 will get you a pin. We will send it anywhere in the U.S., uh, so that includes the shipping and handling cost. Uh, anywhere outside the U.S., let us know. Uh, we can figure something out. Uh, we want to get you these pins. I think they're pretty cool. want to thank uh, Jason Wood again for doing the design. Head over to 1979design on Instagram. Uh, check out some of the pins that they've done if you're interested. Uh, throw them a message, hook it up, and uh, get some pins made for yourself. Uh, these came out really great, and I'd like to get them to you. Those are also on our socials. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. And we will talk to you all next time.